From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome. Thanks for tuning in for this Wednesday edition of Washington Watch. I appreciate you making Washington Watch part of your day. Well, coming up, Moms for America was on Capitol Hill today advocating for the rights of their daughters to participate in women's and girls' sports with women and girls. Protecting women's sports has become one of the top issues for moms all across the country because of the blatant attack on our girls and the attempt to erase athletic fairness. We as moms are extremely concerned about the integrity of women's sports and the safety of our girls in the game and in the locker rooms. That was Debbie Carlitis, Vice President of Moms for America, calling on the U.S. Senate to take up the women's sports bill that passed the House back in April. Unfortunately, the Senate leadership is, uh, well, they're in a fog. None of this is coincidence. This smoke and fog over New York and the rest of the Northeast is a warning from nature that we have a lot of work to do to reverse the destruction of climate change. That, of course, was uh, Senate scare leader Chuck Schumer ignoring the women and focusing on one of the left's favorite topics, climate worship. We'll be joined in just a moment by the sponsor of the women's sports bill in the Senate, Coach Tommy Tuberville, senator from the state of Alabama. We'll be here in just a moment. And if you think this is a conservative Republican issue, it is not. Liberal women like me agree. Fairness in women's sports is not a partisan issue. Yet I'm baffled and disappointed by the lack of support from my Democratic Party. Rather than promote the findings of 22 peer-reviewed studies that show the male-born athletic advantage cannot be muted, my party has chosen to focus on supporting inclusion policies that are unfair for females. That was former NCAA cross-country runner Evie Edwards at the press conference on Capitol Hill earlier today. I'll actually be joined in studio by another female athlete who was at the press conference today, Abby Carr a women's NCAA Division I swimmer who was forced to compete against Leah Thomas. I don't know, maybe while she's here, she can give me some tips on improving my swim time. Well, speaking of moms, you probably saw this. The anti-Christian Southern Poverty Law Center is out with a new hit list. On this version, in addition to Christian organizations like the Family Research Council and Alliance Defending Freedom, which have become you know, uh, an annual event for the Southern Poverty Law Center, they have now added several parental rights groups to their hate map, calling these groups anti-government extremists. So what makes them extremists? Right, are you ready? They are opposed to CRT and LGBT indoctrination of their children. Nicole Neely, president and founder of Parents Defending Education, will join us with more. And finally, the World Health Organization is grabbing headlines again as they grab more power. WHO will begin operations of the network today with the existing COVID-19 certificate as a global public good. Soon after, we will expand this infrastructure by incorporating other use, such as a digitized international certificate of vaccination, routine immunization cards, and international patient summaries. Well, I hope there were a few trigger words for you in uh, what Dr. Tedros Ghebreyesus had to say. He's the director general of the WHO. Uh, Global vaccination 
certification yesterday. This took place at a signing ceremony of the Global Digital Health Certification Network. Now, what does that mean? Former Congressman Michelle Bachman, who attended the recent meeting at the WHO in Geneva, is here to explain. Our word for today comes from Nehemiah 3, verses 28 and 29. Beyond the horse gate, the priests made repairs, each in front of his own house. After them, Zadok, the son of Emmer, made repairs in front of his own house. After him, Shemaiah, the son of Shekinah, the keeper of the east gate, made repairs. So what's the common thread throughout this passage? Well, if you read it, you'll see that they did the repairs right where they were, in front of their own homes. For nearly a hundred years, they had lived amidst the debris and the destruction, really seeing no way forward. Enter Nehemiah, who had a plan. He challenged them to take ownership of where they were, right in front of their own homes. You know, when we look at the state of our nation, what if those who profess faith in Jesus Christ began to rebuild the spiritual walls of prayer, Bible study, obedience to God, around their own homes? What if parents began to exercise their God-ordained role of protecting their own children? I'll tell you what would happen. America would change. To find out more about our Bible reading plan, go to frc.org Bible. In April of this year, the House of Representatives here in Washington passed the Protection of Women's and Girls in Sports Act. Now, this was a response to biological males competing in girls' and women's sports, but also to the Biden administration's efforts to redefine Title IX rules. When Senator Tommy Tuberville introduced the bill in the Senate, Democrats blocked it from even coming to a vote. Now, what happened to the party of science? Didn't they take Biology 101? Joining me now to discuss this and more, Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama. He serves on four Senate committees, including the Senate Armed Services Committee and the Senate Committee on Veterans Affairs. Coach, welcome back to Washington Watch. Always great to see you. Thank you. Good to see you, Tony. Thanks for having me on. Now, you said the uh, the Biden administration's support for males competing in women's sports takes a sledgehammer to Title IX. Explain that. Well, it's not giving girls the opportunity uh, to succeed. You know, Tony, when I coached, I told every one of my players that I work with that, you know, you live in the greatest country on the face of the earth, but this, this country doesn't give you work ethic. It doesn't give you the uh, time, uh, you know, to be on time. It doesn't teach you those disciplined things. You have to learn it yourself. But the one thing it does give you, this country gives you the opportunity to fail or succeed. Now, that being said, that's not true now. I couldn't tell that to a girl athlete because this country is not going to give you an opportunity to succeed because it's unfair that these young biological boys are having an opportunity to compete against girls. And so that's where we're at. Uh, the animals are running the zoo up here, Tony. It's just absolutely amazing to me that we're even talking about this. It is over the top. And the Democrats, all of them, not just a few of them, all of them are fighting for biological boys to have the opportunity to compete anywhere they want. They're trying to do away with gender up here, and we're not going to allow it. Now, Coach, uh, a lot of people don't realize this, but you you coached uh, high school girls basketball, so you, you know about the opportunity that you just spoke of. And Title IX was put in place so that girls would have that opportunity to compete uh, on a fair playing field. This, uh, what we see happening right now, is eradicating that opportunity. Well, you're exactly right. And, and, and here's what's going to happen. You're, you're going to start seeing these 
young biological boys or men start competing against women's sports, they're saying to us now, well, there's only a few. Well, you allow this to happen. You're going to see more and more every year, and you're not going to have women's sports because what's going to happen, parents are not going to let their young daughter getting into a sport, whether it's in elementary school or junior high or high school, to compete against boys, dress in the same locker rooms, take showers with them. It's not going to happen. So what's going to happen is you're going to see a deterioration of women's sports. Now, it might not be overnight, but it's going to be a slow deterioration, and you're going to lose it, and Title IX is going to be destroyed, and uh, it's going to be a, a, a biological boy that's transitioned to a girl, supposedly, that's going to take over their sports. So when is Chuck Schumer going to uh, schedule a vote on your bill? Yeah, Chuck Schumer, he doesn't know what day it is. Uh, he's... Uh, Every day he attacks me because I've got some other things going, you know, the holes on the military and all those because of the abortion. But that being said, you know, I just heard heard him say, you know, these wildfires in Canada, are, you know, it's a direct uh, uh, cause by climate change. They need to get them a Smokey the Bear in uh, Canada, uh, you know, and and work on cleaning up their trash in terms of of underneath their trees. They claim everything is because of climate change. Because why? Because they take money and they can spend it. And that's exactly what they like to do up here. They love to spend the taxpayer's money and waste it. You know, that's really a good point. And I don't think a lot of people catch that. When we talk, we, we see this fixation with, quote unquote, climate change. You can't fix that. You can't measure success on that. But they can sure spend a whole lot of money. But I'll tell you something you can measure. You can measure whether or not women can compete fairly in sports because you can pass a bill today and you can ensure tomorrow that women's sports is for women. You can measure that and you can you can determine the outcome very quickly. Well, exactly. You know, and they ask me all the time what I believe changes this climate change or, or any other things that are they're having problems with. And I say, God, you know, God's going to be the one to decide that it's not going to be us. But again, they push it. Their agenda and anything that happens in the realm of climate is going to be because of, uh, you know, we're destroying the, the world and the climate through carbon. And then the same thing when it comes to, uh, uh, you know, sports and uh, women's sports. It all goes back to not protecting gender and sex in this country. They want to change it. They want to make sure that they control it because that's what the Democrats and the far left are doing now. They're trying to control everything that uh, they touch, and they, they can only do that. They can only do that by masquerading as somebody that's for everybody, and they're really not. They're just they're trying to make a statement that we've got power to make this happen, and we're going to continue to push it. We don't care what anybody else says, and we're going to control it, because if we can control it, it gives us power. The good news here, Coach, is that as you are holding the line on this and raising the profile of this issue, states are not standing still. We have almost two dozen states that have passed bills like this protecting women's sports. So in many ways, while we'd like to see this passed nationally, this is encouraging states to act. And people watching this program, listening to this program, certainly call their senators and encourage them to support this bill, but also their local legislators as well. Yeah, you're exactly right, Tony. And we've got to get the federal government out of everybody's business. So don't count on Washington, D.C. and the federal government to help you in making the decision. If you give them the chance, 
They will make a decision for you, and it's not going to be what you like. The states need to get involved, the counties, the cities. They need to get involved in this and make sure they make the decision and keep the federal government out. We don't do anything up here but screw, screw stuff up. Yeah. Now, we can waste some money, and we can make bad bills, and you know we can uh, uh, cause all the crime to be happening because that's what's happening. We, we defunded the police in a lot of these cities. The border's wide open. We have drugs everywhere. We have the biggest crisis, I think, that we have in this country right now is mental illness. And it's really not a crisis. It's an emergency. And we're not even talking about it. It is it, it, it's it's really criminal what goes on up here. But, uh, you know, we're, we're going to fight, Tony. We're going to fight to the end. We're going we're going to give these young girls and, and women an opportunity to 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 compete on a fair and level playing field. And we're going to fight this climate hoax, and we're going to fight the, all the crime in the city, and we're going to fight at the border, and we're going to fight our, for our education system and to get God back in our schools because we don't, Tony. It's going to be tough, tough to survive. You're absolutely right, Coach. And, and I want to thank you for that fight. I want to also applaud your stand against the Biden administration's military abortion policy. You're taking a lot of heat even from your own party. We commend you, grateful for it, and we stand with you. Coach, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Tony. Good talking to you. All right. Senator Tommy Tuberville of Alabama. All right, coming up, Division I swimmer Abby Carr joins me after the break to discuss competing against males in college women's sports and why she is taking a stand. That's coming up next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. More Washington Watch straight ahead. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be given guidance on specific specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. 
Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroic faith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroic faith. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. Good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Be sure and check it out. Lots of resources there for you and some action items. Remember, our republic was made for participants, not spectators, okay? Among the speakers at today's Capitol Hill event for the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act was Abby Carr, who whose success as a swimmer at Washington Christian Academy earned her a spot on a Division I college women's swim team, as well as at the U.S. Olympic trials. As an Ivy League swimmer, she's had the spotlight on her while competing in events alongside Leah Thomas, the male swimmer that the Ivy League and NCAA allowed to swim in women's events. Abby joins me now in studio. Abby, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you. I'm so grateful to be here. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you for speaking out. And I want to start right there and ask you, what drove you to speak out on this issue? Absolutely. Well, my mind immediately goes to a text I received from my stepdad this morning. And he said, I am so proud of you that you stand for your convictions. You uh, we, you stand in your convictions. And that, that phrase right there, I, I know what I believe um, as a conservative, and I know what I believe as a Christian. And at the time when Leah Thomas was racing, when I was a freshman, I did not have that courage to stand for what I knew is true and what I knew is right. And now, as I've gained confidence as both a conservative and a Christian, I know I'm ready to stand for it. I mean, as an elite swimmer, you grew up training with boys. Absolutely. Yes, I did. <laughs> uh, probably beat them. Uh, but but what, what were the differences that you observed between female swimmers and male swimmers? <laughs> Where do I start? Um, well, I started swimming when I was seven, and I've been racing boys as long as I can remember. And up until I was 12, I was beating them. When I was uh, 12, I had the, I'll never forget this, I had the pool record in the 200 butterfly, and it was faster than the boys' record. And then if you look at the um, spreadsheets from the meet exactly a year later, it's drastically different because the boys were beginning to grow in a way that I wasn't. And I'll never forget my coach pulled me out of the water one practice where I was just increasingly frustrated. I mean, he'll tell you I'm the most competitive person out there, right? And he's like, Abby, look, you've been beating these boys your whole life. You're not going to beat them anymore. And I was like, sure. Like, you know, I didn't, I wasn't thrilled by the implications of that, but it was obvious to me that they were physically changing in a way I wasn't. They were getting taller, um, their muscle mass was increasing, they were getting bigger. I was not. Now, if you were to look at the times from the 2022 Ivy Championships, my time is 15 seconds slower than the time uh, that was put up by the top male swimmer. That's 
over an entire length of a pool of a difference. So, um, yes, those differences were very apparent to me, even at the age of 13. So is it fair that women would have to compete against men in women's sports? Absolutely, it is not. And that's not a matter of identity. That's not a matter of personality. That's a simple, blunt reality of biology. I mean, I would love to beat men, but there isn't a world where that's going to happen, unfortunately. And that's not anti-feminist. That's just me speaking the scientific truth. So what's the point of having women's sports if it's not for women? (laughs) You're asking me. I, uh, I... It baffles me that this year we celebrated the 50th anniversary of Title IX, and yet it's almost as if we're going back in time and we're having to fight the same battle that so many women have fought before me. And and today at the event, at the press conference, uh, Representative Ehart said something to the effect of courage begets courage. And right now I feel more than ever that we have to encourage other female athletes to stand just stand true in their convictions, like I said earlier, because it won't be a few isolated incidents. It's going to become recruitment spots. It's going to become the very few spots that are reserved for women are going to be taken by male athletes, and we we have to fight for women's sports. I want to go back to where you began with this when I asked you what prompted you to speak out on this, because, I mean, look, you're a freshman, and it's kind of, I would think, intimidating. It, yes, and, when when Leah raced, I was a freshman. I had just arrived on the team. And, yeah. and so, I mean, you, you kind of want to shrink back and just kind of fall in line and not get a lot of attention. Yeah, and, and I'll admit, I, I was apprehensive then. Why? I, uh, you know, I, I was new to the team. I was new to the to the Ivy League. I felt like I, if I needed to make a name for myself, it was going to be in swimming, and, and I did. But now I understand that this is greater than me. It's greater than the individual. This is about every female athlete. This is about the the seven- and eight-year-old uh, girls that I coach back home and the recruitment spots they're going to go for in a few years. But, Abby, is this, it's about even more than just sports, is it not? Yes, I, it's I would say It's about truth. So. It is, because a, a society that <laughs> denies objective reality, I mean, what sort of society is that, right? If we're, if we're denying basic reality, if we're denying basic truths, and it'll be the Democrats who say they rely on science, and then perpetrate this narrative. It's pitifully ironic, in my opinion. You're absolutely right. I mean, but today it's women's sports, but what would it be tomorrow if we deny that very basic reality that women and men are different? Not not one is of more value than the other, just different. Just different. It reminds me of one of my good friends wrestled in high school, and he was a smaller guy, and he wrestled at 113, they didn't put him up against guys who were 200 pounds because it was a blunt distinction between wrestling in 113 and wrestling in 150, 200. Um, similarly, we can understand that men and women are biologically different, and that's, that is not a bad thing, but we yeah. need to have the respective categories. So let's let trans athletes race in their respective categories. Yeah. Let's not put them up against women because that is not fair. Abby, just have about 30 seconds left. What would you say to other young women athletes that may find themselves in the same position you were in? Absolutely. Stand true in your convictions. Don't be afraid to speak the truth. It is the time is now. The Democrat Party is is fighting for a future where there will not be spots left for women's sports. And we have to preserve those if they won't. Abby, thank you.
so much for joining us today and thank you for the courage to to speak out and stand up for truth and what we know to be right. Thank you. And and before you leave, give me a few tips on how I can improve my time. <laughs> oh dear. Um, let's see. Quick tips. Always use your kick and uh, breathe to both sides. <laughs> that I have to work on. I don't have that one down yet. Abby, good to see you. Great to be with you. All right, folks, still go away because coming up, the Southern Poverty Law Center released their updated hate list yesterday. In addition to targeting Christian organizations like uh, FRC, they're now listing parents' groups as well. That's right, parents who are standing up for their children, not wanting their children to be indoctrinated. They're being targeted as extremists. We're going to talk about it on the other side of the break. Don't go away. More Washington Watch straight ahead. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org worldview. Again, go to frc.org worldview. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. Be sure and check out the website because today I've got a lot of uh, a lot of resources there for you, action items, stuff you're going to want to follow up with. Again, that's TonyPerkins.com. All right, the Anti-Christian Southern Poverty Law Center, or as I call them, the Southern Impoverished Law Center, released their annual hate list uh, yesterday. The SPLC has a long history of branding conservative and Christian organizations like the Family Research Council as hate groups, uh, which even inspired a domestic terrorist, Floyd Corkins, to come into FRC about 11 years ago and uh, attempt mass murder. Uh, He is now in prison following his conviction. Well, this year, the SPLC added many parents' rights groups to their hate list for their efforts to keep schools open, you know, covid and to keep sexually explicit material away from children. I mean, 
we're talking about moms and dads doing what God created them to do, protect their children. And they're being labeled extremists, put on a hate map, and potentially being targeted by the loony left. Joining me now to discuss this is the head of one of these groups, Nicole Neely. She is the president and founder of Parents Defending Education. Nicole, welcome to Washington Watch. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. So let me just ask you, your reaction to the Southern Poverty Law Center branding an organization of concerned parents as a group of extremists and putting you on a hate map? I mean, we've been watching their mission creep for years and years and years, right? Um, But the fact that we have gone out, we have... We were labeled an anti-government organization, and we have worked through the government, as you have, right, to submit comments to the Federal Register, to file complaints with the Office of Civil Rights, to testify before Congress, and to actually raise concerns of, as the Constitution says, you know, the um, to petition our government for a redress of grievances. And that is, as it turns out, unwelcome. We saw that two years ago with the National School Boards Association and now with these outside organizations. Well, I'm, I'm wondering if, you know, the White House reached out to the National School Boards Association asking for that letter. I'm, I, I, look, we know that the, the, the Democrats in this administration works with the SPLC. I mean, this is an attempt, and this is not new for the SPLC. Right. Probably about 10 years ago up in Minnesota, they labeled another parents group uh, that was concerned about the uh, teaching tolerance, I think, that used to be uh, their program or something like that. But they labeled them a hate group to try to marginalize and silence them. Right. And it's funny because uh, through our work, through our complaints we filed, through our lawsuits we filed against against school districts, we've actually gotten districts, taxpayer-funded public school districts, to cease racial segregation programs. They'll do it in the guise of affinity groups or healing circles. But there are schools in 2022, 2023 that are segregating children on the basis of skin color. We have ended that practice. And that is apparently hateful. We have identified about 1,000 school districts across the country impacting 10 million children that have parental exclusion policies that explicitly say parents do not have a right to know their child's gender identity. That, again, is something that is hateful. So it's appalling. It really feels like we're through the looking glass almost. So, Nicole, what do you think is behind this? Why, Why do you think they're doing this? Well, I mean, I think... The first is they're chasing money, right? They have to keep coming up with new boogeymen, right? And so parents are scary. But at the end of the day, are we so scary? I mean, let's think about what we see doctor's offices telling families or telling children, what we see schools telling children is that families are the enemy, right? I mean, we have seen school districts putting up signs, I'm your mom now. The default setting is a family is not safe because they might not be supportive of a child's gender or something else, you know. But it's these districts, these taxpayer-funded people that are doing this, assuming that based on your Christian beliefs, based on, you know, your political beliefs, that you are an unfit family. You know, they don't believe in due process. They believe in tearing down these institutions. But what we're seeing across the country is that parents are responding to where you are and what you're advocating, what we're advocating. Parents are concerned. That's why we see this tidal wave of parents getting involved. I think this is an act of desperation trying to intimidate parents into silence. It is absolutely an attempt to intimidate donors, parents who are active. We saw, right, this National School Boards Association working with the Department of Justice. You and I know that in Washington, it is lightning speed for the Department of Justice to put out a memo within four days. Oh, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And through our public records request, we found out it was all pretextual. They had, as you said, been working with the Biden administration for weeks in advance to roll all of this out. We've seen the National Education Association every year at their annual meeting. 
They have voted to spend money investigating groups that oppose their political ideology. Last year, groups that oppose gender ideology. In 2021, groups that oppose their racial programs. Um, and so this is just an attempt to chill and silence parents. You know, but at the end of the day, we will not be silenced. These are our children. We will fight to the death to protect our children. Is this going to inspire parents, you think, to be even louder? I think it will. I think this is a big slap in the face, and I think the Southern Poverty Law Center has grossly miscalculated, much like the National School Boards Association grossly miscalculated this. See, I, I may even think as we're talking here that, that organizations like yours and ours, that we, we need to start putting a little seal on our websites that, just like we do with the ECFA approved, that uh, we are Southern Poverty Law Center disapproved, uh, because that is a, that's a, should be a badge of honor among conservatives of who is actually doing real work, who is doing heavy lifting, who is actually speaking up and speaking out. Um, I mean, I think about our founding fathers, right? If we, we hang together or we hang separately. Um, and I will stop at no one to protect my children. And I know there are thousands of families, millions of families across the country that feel the same way. Very quickly, Nicole, we're up against a break, but how can people find out more about your organization, about being a part of it? Our website is defendinged.org. We have resources for parents. Parents can submit tips to us anonymously if they so choose about what's going on in their district so we can expose it because it's only through that that we can affect change. All right, folks, uh, you heard that. That's an action item for you. Again, our government is not for spectators. It's for participants. Nicole, thanks for coming in. Thank you. Appreciate your work. You know, this does encourage me, what I see happening in schools across this country, that parents, silver lining to COVID, they saw what was happening and they didn't like it. And because of leaders like Nicole, they're taking action. So take up your spot, make a difference for your children. All right, coming up, more government overreach, this time through the United Nations. The WHO is moving to implement a global vaccine passport. That's next. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to PrayVoteStand.org. Again, that's PrayVoteStand.org. Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND. 
and to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom, and you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day, ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged, be in the know, and stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. I tell you what, this program's going by fast. A lot of good stuff for you. I hope you're keeping up with uh, everything. Again, go to the website, TonyPerkins.com, because there's some action items. All right, and let me, uh, let me touch on a couple of them. We were just talking with Nicole about the Southern Poverty Law Center. All right, do you know that the federal government continues to use the Southern Poverty Law Center as a resource, basically a determiner of... Uh, anti-government groups and, 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 and hate groups. They're allowing them to be the one who determines uh, who is a radical group. And this, is, this group is unbelievably bad. They're an attack dog for the left. Of course, very close with the Biden administration. But we now have the House Weaponization Committee. And so we have a petition you can sign. We're going to deliver it to the Weaponization Committee to look at the Southern Poverty Law Center to make sure that the federal government never uses them again as a resource. So go to TonyPerkins.com. Sign the petition calling on them to make sure that the government does not use this anti-Christian organization, the Southern Poverty Law Center. So you can find that at uh, TonyPerkins.com. This week, the World Health Organization announced it will use the European Union's digital vaccine certification model as a global digital health certification network framework. Now, what this does is this brings the concept of a global vaccine passport much closer to reality. Now, the member nations of the World Health Organization, they just met and they didn't vote on this. But that didn't stop these unelected bureaucrats at the WHO from moving forward with their power grab. Now, where could this lead? Well, I tell you, it could lead to a very bad outcome. Joining me now to discuss this is former Congresswoman Michelle Bachman. She has just returned, actually, from Geneva, where she attended the 76th World Health Assembly, where the WHO met. She served in Congress for eight years, is now the dean of the Robertson School of Government at Regent University. During her time in Congress, she served on the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. Dean Bachman, welcome back to Washington Watch. Good to see you. Tony, good to see you, too. 
Now, you were recently in Geneva, as I mentioned, for the World Health Assembly, but this Global Health Certificate uh, Certification Network was not voted on or announced. So what's this all about? No, you're right. It was discussed prior to the meeting that we just had for seven days in Geneva, but they did not vote on it. As a matter of fact, there were 307 amendments that were introduced to the international health rules together with the global pandemic treaty. The expectation is those two documents will be merged and synthesized. And one year from now, that will be either voted on or without dissent. It will just be adopted by the World Health Assembly. What does this mean? It means the creation of a platform that would envision all nations, all 194 member nations of the WHO to yield their decision-making authority over health care to the WHO. That's profound. And so this didn't happen with the creation of the digital health certificate at the WHO. They just took it. And I was stunned, like you said. This is the most unbelievable power grab because, Tony, this digital certification will ultimately be used as the enforcement mechanism for this global control over all nations regarding health care and many other issues as well. I mean, this, this will have the record, your health record, vaccine record of yeah. all vaccinations. And this is what we saw being, you know, bounced around during COVID about mm-hmm. a vaccine passport. This would be essentially, uh, I guess if it would be in your smartphone or device. You would have to have yeah. something like this in order to travel. That's right. It's a global digital ID. Take a look at your cell phone. A QR code would be on this, only it's managed by the World Health Organization, the organization that tragically got it more wrong than any other nation during the global pandemic. But now they would be the ones who are in charge of administering this QR code, but they would also set the requirements that we have to meet whether it's mandating vaccines, mandating boosters, mandating mask wearing, mandating lockdowns, mandating church closures, they would have the C on everything. And our cell phone would tell the story if we are in compliance or not. That's very similar to the social credit system that Mm -hmm. communist China uses and imposes on their own people. That's what this system envisions. And it's far more than just the vaccine. Ultimately, they envision a cashless society where our money would be converged. And as you said, it's a travel locator number that we have. We could not get on on a plane or a public conveyance of any kind unless we are in conformity with what the WHO says. Now, uh, Michelle, this is so far reaching that it sounds like one of those conspiracy theories uh, that you've that you dig up off the internet somewhere, but this is literally happening. They announced it. I, I played a clip of uh, Tedros saying this yesterday yes. at the signing ceremony. They are doing this in the European Union, and as I understand it, this is establishing the framework that then can go global. That's right, and realize this covers eighty nations. And they also said that the initiation date is June of 2023. That's now. So this, this, this global vaccine passport is already live. It's already being administered by the WHO. And it already impacts 80 European nations who are in this net. 
We know from the, uh, from the amendments to the international health rules and the global pandemic treaty that the WHO envisions that all 194 nations will be a part of this global vaccine passport where they tell us what we have to do and they administer and they regulate our movements. This is the, so this is tracking, tracing, surveillance uh, virtually of every person on earth. And it creates that platform for global governance, which has never happened before in history. So it's a very serious thing that they're doing. They didn't ask permission. They didn't get a vote. They just took the power. But here's the biggest question, Tony. The biggest question is, will the United States of America go into this system and if so, when? And that's why I say it's time for U.S. senators to wake up and start asking questions and members of the House. And they need to deliver the message in no uncertain terms to the Biden administration. The United States will not go into this system. United States-based corporations will not go into this system. And no customer of any business should ever be punished for not going into this system. So we have been talking, going, in fact, you joined us from Geneva. We were talking about the WHO and the, uh, the meeting in Geneva, uh, leading up to it during the meeting, about, as you talked about, the 307 amendments to their operating procedures, mm-hmm. as well as the um, global protocol or treaty. So we'll call it what it is. It's a treaty. This, I mean, this like leapfrogs ahead of all of that and grabs this power... <laughs> And, it, and it's almost as if you would think they would have brought this up and just said, hey, we're going to unveil this. This is how it works. They would have brought it up during the recent meeting in Geneva. But it's probably because they didn't want those countries not involved saying, well, wait a minute, we didn't sign up for this. Oh, I think you're probably right, because, again, this is the enforcement mechanism. The, the global digital vaccine passport is the enforcement mechanism for this global governance platform that the WHO has. So this is as big as it gets. This QR code on your phone, you don't, as Tony had said, you don't move unless you the WHO approves you moving Uh, Nearly every aspect of your life will be recorded and surveilled through this system. So this is not a small thing. This, This will impact every American. This will impact our way of life, but it will impact virtually everyone on earth. And for those who are watching, Tony, who know the Bible, who know what the prophets have said and the convergence of events that we're seeing in this day, this has prophetic implications biblically for what we're seeing at the WHO. Certainly none of us want to be a part of advancing a global system. And this began with the Biden administration. The Biden administration is the lead at the WHO. Well, I I want to just address that for a moment to make sure people are hearing us clearly. I I do think this does fit with a pattern that we see in biblical prophecy. But that does not mean, that does not mean that we step aside and let it move forward. That's I believe right. that a lot of the biblical prophecy is fulfilled because God's people are not doing what they should do, and evil can run its course. Now, we know those things will eventually happen, but it doesn't have to happen on our watch. Uh, we can do our very best and should to stop this. Now, again, going into the uh, the meeting in Geneva, we were talking with members of Congress about pulling out of the WHO just because of the treaty. Now we have even more reason for members of Congress to act and get us out. 
Yes, that's right. The United States of America should pull out of the World Health Organization and we should stop funding the World Health Organization. Nothing is hidden. Everything is exposed. Anyone in your audience can go to who.int, click on the 76th World Health Assembly. You can read all of the amendments. You can read the Global Pandemic Treaty. You can even watch all of the sessions, their archive, where they talk about this. They're very clear about what they're going to do. But what's interesting is there were no members of Congress in attendance at the World Health Assembly. They should have been there. But I didn't see the American press corps there. Tony, your show was unique. We did a live broadcast from Geneva, but there were there were virtually no American outlets doing any reporting on site from an event and decisions that will be so consequential, they will literally impact every human on Earth. So now, folks, is the time to act. And this is actually one of the resources we have on the website, TonyPerkins.com. If you go to TonyPerkins.com, episode resources, the second one down is to urge Congress uh, to withhold funding from the WHO and to to get us out. And this is something I think we've got to begin uh, pushing hard and demanding because this, this is coming down the track very rapidly and once it's in place, I think it's very difficult to, to, to undo what they will do. Once you give away sovereignty, it's almost impossible to give back. And let's realize a press conference was held on Monday telling us that this exists, the digital global passport, and that 80 countries are all in, already in it. So conceivably, next week, we could hear a press report that President Biden put the United States in this global digital passport. How do we get out? By that point, uh, members of Congress, I think, will be in panic mode. They need to start ringing the doorbell, the front bell at the White House. And so, President Biden, we have to sit down. We have to have a talk. You need to know that the people of America do not want to come under the control of the enforceability of the World Health Organization. They don't want to ask the WHO for permission to get on a plane. And they certainly don't want to be told that they are forced to take a vaccine or a booster or wear a mask or whatever it is that the WHO comes up with and tells them they have to do. Yeah, I mean, we were just talking uh, with one of the leaders of the parents' parental rights groups that has been labeled by the SPLC as a a hate group now because they've been resisting what's happening in education and the indoctrination of their children and the forced closures and the mask wearing and the vaccines uh, that was really being pushed by the WHO. So if you didn't like what you saw in COVID, uh, you're not going to like what the WHO has up their sleeve next. Now is the time to act. And if you can't get to the website, you can text WHO to 67742. That's WHO to 67742. You'll get a link to urge Congress to address this issue. All right, Michelle, we only have about two minutes left. Uh, This was a surprise that didn't happen at the World Health Assembly. It happened yesterday. But I want to go back to the assembly. You were there in Geneva. What else can you tell you that, that surprised you about your time there at the World Health Assembly? What surprised me more than anything, Tony, is the fact that there wasn't one nation that disagreed with what was being said. 
The individual in charge with passing the 307 amendments is a, an official from Saudi Arabia. His name is Dr. Abdullah Asiri. And he said quite plainly that we can't have the old rules for the next pandemic. We have to have new rules. And those rules have to restrict people's liberties. We have to have control over the means of production, over healthcare products and vaccines. What he talked about was enhanced levels of powers and control that would literally deny to the average American our Bill of Rights protections and our constitutional rights. This was absolutely shocking to hear this. And there wasn't one nation, Tony, not one that disagreed with what was being said about either the amendments, global pandemic treaty. So this is a done deal. That's what's tragic. Yeah. This is a done deal unless someone stands up and disagrees. And yeah. I think most people on earth have no idea what's about to happen. You know, and Michelle, this is why we, we have no business being in these global entities, because we're, this is gonna upset people on the left, but we're unique. We have a Bill of yeah. Rights. We understand the value of the individual and the God-given rights that we have. They don't come to us from government. They're granted to us. They're given to us by God to be protected by government. That's what makes us different. And that's what these other governments don't have. And that's, that's why right. their people that's don't right. have freedom. And we're willing to fight for that freedom. Michelle Bachman, always great to see you. Thank you so much for taking time to join us today. Thanks, Tony. All right. And folks, look, we have that freedom because many have fought, died, stood for that freedom. We have to protect it. It is on the line. So I encourage you, go to TonyPerkins.com and take the action steps and be praying. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul when he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.